Tracy Sable tonight on EWTN News Nightly, evacuating Gaza. For the first time since the Israel-Hamas war began, the Gaza border is open, but not everyone will be allowed to cross. A whole other level. Al-Qaeda issued its most specific call to attack the United States in the last five years. The director of the FBI issues a dire warning. The U.S. is in a dangerous period of increased terror threats. Return to the Middle East. Secretary of State Antony Blinken prepares for a second wartime trip as Israel intensifies its attacks on Hamas. And a holy celebration. As we observe All Saints Day, we take a look back at the hundreds canonized by Pope Francis. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us on the Solemnity of All Saints. Our top story tonight, hundreds of dual passport holders and dozens of seriously injured Palestinians have crossed the Rafah border into Egypt. They are the first group allowed to leave Gaza since the beginning of the war, as Israeli bombings have driven hundreds of thousands from their homes. This comes as more airstrikes have hit apartment buildings at refugee camp for the second day in a row. Israeli officials have defended the strike, saying that dozens of militants were killed, including a key Hamas commander for northern Gaza. The Israelis are increasing their ground presence in Gaza as they battle Hamas. Well, as the situation in Gaza worsens, the director of the United Nations Children's Fund is warming, warning of a looming disaster. Christine Russell says the devastating tally of the weeks-long war is taking its toll in Gaza, adding that over 3,000 children have been killed thus far. Russell says very little clean water remains in Gaza and is quickly running out. She called on the U.N. Security Council to adopt a resolution that calls for a ceasefire and allows safe humanitarian access into the region. And here now is Samuel Tadros, a Middle East scholar and former senior fellow at the Hudson, Hudson Institute Center for Religious Freedom. Samuel, great to be with you today. Uh, let's talk more about the humanitarian situation in Gaza right now. How dire is it? Thank you for having me. It's pretty dire. Um, the people of Gaza today, of course, uh, don't have access to the outside world in terms of aid going on, despite uh, the United States working with the government in Egypt and with the Israeli government to allow some aid to go on. There's still significant concern about the humanitarian situation. Aid isn't flowing at the level that people uh, need. At the same time, of course, uh, the United States, Israel, and other European countries are worried about how this aid is to be used. In the past, we've had Hamas confiscate this aid, use it for its own fighters instead of giving it to civilians. So you, you want to send more aid. At the same time, you're worried about what's going on and how it will be distributed. Yeah, I was going to, I'm going to jump off of that, Samuel. I was going to ask you about that. We know that Israel recently allowed, uh, agreed to allow, that is, 100 trucks of humanitarian aid into Gaza each day. Um, do you think that will be enough? And again, let's touch a little bit more on, you know, will that assistance really get to the people who need it? That's the million-dollar question. Uh, the reality, of course, is Hamas is not just a terrorist organization that operates in Gaza. It's also the governing body of Gaza, the health ministry, the 
education ministry, all of the governments in Gaza since they completely kicked out uh, the Fatah movement, the Palestinian Authority, they have been in control. So they control every layer of life in Gaza. Uh, people in Gaza have been complaining for years about not get, receiving the aid that is sent to them, about Hamas confiscating it and taking it into their own coffers and using it for uh, their own purposes. So that's a serious worry. And of course, without anyone managing this, uh, there's no way to guarantee that this takes place. Yeah, it is such a concerning situation over there. Although, you know, some good news, as we mentioned, uh, that those who've been trying to flee Gaza uh, are now being able to cross into Egypt. Of course, um, just some of those people are allowed to go into Egypt. Can you talk to us, Samuel, about how critical that Rafa crossing is uh, in terms of maybe getting aid into Palestine and getting people out? And also curious why Egypt didn't open the crossing earlier. Definitely. Rafah is the only crossing available outside of the Israeli crossings, which are, of course, closed right now due to the military operations. So the only way out of Gaza is through Rafah into the Egyptian Sinai. Egypt doesn't welcome the Palestinians coming. There are several concerns there. There's a concern about uh, the fact that they might come and not leave, um, that this might be the, the end of that situation and the solution to the Gaza problem by just throwing them into Egypt. Uh, Egypt is worried about its own economic conditions. Egypt is in a deep economic crisis currently. So the uh, two million Gazans fleeing into the country is not uh, the most welcome thing. We're also worried about whether um, if people come from Gaza, this would allow Hamas militants to infiltrate. Egypt has dealt with a deep uh, terrorism problem in Sinai for the last decade. There's a fear that they would be working with these guys, that they would attack Israel from Egypt, and thus Egypt would get dragged into the conflict. Concerning the people that dual nationals, Egypt, of course, has been stopping that in order to get basically concessions from the West, from the United States, from other European countries. Egypt, because of its economic crisis, is looking for aid. So in a sense, allowing uh, dual citizens out is a bargaining chip for the Egyptian government to use to deal with its own problems. Well, Samuel, we have to leave it right there. So much we can talk about. Thank you so much for coming on today and for your insights. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, a stark warning from FBI Director Christopher Wray recently testifying before Congress. He says in the past few weeks, multiple foreign terrorist organizations are calling for attacks against Americans and the West. Adding the threat is at a whole other level. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales joins us now with the latest. Eric. Well, good evening, Tracy. Yes, I've spoken to a number of my sources, and I've learned from the FBI to the Department of Justice to law enforcement agencies across the country, especially in major cities, all remain on high alert. The FBI director was blunt, warning senators on Capitol Hill that the conflict in Israel and Gaza raises the potential for terror, not just overseas, but also right here on U.S. soil. Al-Qaeda issued its most specific call to attack the United States in the last five years. ISIS urged its followers to target Jewish communities in the United States and Europe.
The FBI director is also concerned about lone wolf attacks here on U.S. soil from those who draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East. We've already seen that with the individual we arrested last week in Houston who'd been studying how to build bombs and posted online about his support for killing Jews. And with the tragic killing of a six-year-old Muslim boy in Illinois and what we're investigating as a federal hate crime. Republican senators were quick to bring up the crisis at the border and the threat to national security. How many people has this administration led into the country? Let, let me say at the outset that uh, our job would be a lot easier if the broken immigration system was no, fixed. No, Mr. Secretary, I want a, a number. How many people have you led into this country? I, I should also How, uh, Okay, let, I'll, I'll give you the number. It's about six million. Republicans who visited the border last week say since President Biden took office, more than 260 known terrorists have been stopped, but add it's the record 600,000 more gotaways that should concern everyone. Look, if only one out of every thousand of those was a terrorist, you're still talking about thousands of people in this country illegally anywhere they could be. And remember, in terms of 9-11, it only took a dozen terrorists to take down the World Trade Center as well as hit the Pentagon. Secretary Mayorkas told lawmakers Congress needs to completely overhaul the immigration system from the asylum process to providing humanitarian relief to removing people who cross illegally. Bottom line, he says that the current system is not working and hasn't been overhauled since 1986. That's nearly 40 years ago. I also want to let you know about other news. Colorado Republican Congressman Ken Buck, who was one of eight who voted out Speaker Kevin McCarthy, won't seek re-election come 2024. Tracy. And joining us now is Dr. Bianca Adair, director of the Intelligence Studies Program at the Catholic University of America and retired CIA officer with an expertise on the Middle East. Dr. Adair, great to have you on today. Thank you so much. A lot to get to. But first, I want to touch on FBI Director Christopher Wray and his testimony on Tuesday regarding potential terror threats against the homeland. I mean, you worked in intelligence for many, many years. How serious do you think these threats are? I'm guessing Director Wray wouldn't put this out there if it wasn't a real concern. Thank you so much for having me on this evening. It is a concern. Director Ray, it was it was heartening to hear him really hitting this head on. The current war that is going on between Israel and Hamas and uh, Gaza really uh, has been a call to arms by uh, all of the terrorist groups. And if you look at the different platforms, you can certainly hear and see what is going on with respect to ISIL, with respect to Al-Qaeda, but also and this is the, the greater concern, the concern with all of the different terrorist organizations that are aligned with Iran calling for anyone anywhere to attack. And it does resemble very closely what ISIL did with respect to lone wolf attacks. Yeah, and I want to jump off of that. Uh, Ray did talk about the greatest threat uh, being small cells of radicalized people for lone actors attacking uh, soft targets. Let's talk a little bit more about that. And what exactly does he mean by soft targets? Soft targets are, honestly, is what you saw Hamas do when they attacked Israel. Go for areas in which 
There are peaceful people living independently, free lives, and trying to just enjoy themselves. So those can be large gatherings. They can also be religious gatherings, uh, particularly those uh, for the Jewish community, but it could be for Christians as well. At this point in time, I think soft targets are the ones that are going to be the hardest for our law enforcement to try to guard against. And so we have to be vigilant when we go out, because when we go to enjoy ourselves and go to have gatherings out in open and public spaces, those can be considered ways for those that want to do harm and spread terrorism. That's precisely the type of attack they would conduct. And it's scary. We just have to be vigilant because these are groups that want to cut at the core of who we are as communities. And as Director Ray is highlighting, they are doing their absolute best to monitor for it. But just as we've done in the past, we too have to be vigilant because the targets the, that the terrorists look for, think about what we saw, unfortunately, on October the 7th. That's what Hamas did. Hamas hit soft targets, outdoor concerts, when people wouldn't expect it. Yeah, before we run out of time here, I quickly want to talk about this, the border and the security issues there. Uh, more than 200 people on the terror watch list have been apprehended at the U.S. southern border so far this year. And as we heard from Eric, more than 600,000 gotaways have entered this country since President Biden took office. I mean, we don't know who these people are, where they are or what they are doing. Uh, Bianca, now this is a real concern, too. Without a doubt. And it's been shocking to see the numbers as we're starting to get those from CBP. Uh, the numbers of the, the individuals that come from state sponsors of terrorism, like Iran, they are terrifying. And the call for better protection on the border is justified when we are concerned about terrorist attacks. The reality is countries like Iran have attempted to conduct terrorist attacks and assassinations in our own country. And of course, we have 9-11 and, and those individuals came in legally and were documented. It is correct to be concerned about who may be in these large groups of people that have gotten away, let alone those that we've captured. And we're not even entirely sure who they are. So that call for the border is something that I hope that our policymakers will take heed of and do something about it quickly. Yeah, indeed. Dr. Bianca Dare, thank you so much for your time and insights. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including a diplomatic dilemma. In a protest over the bombardment of Gaza, a key U.S. ally pulls its ambassador from Israel. And faith under fire. Bishops warn the Catholic Church could be facing extermination in Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken plans to travel to Israel on Friday. He will meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He will also visit Jordan. The State Department says leaders will discuss the ongoing war, humanitarian assistance, freeing hostages, reducing civilian casualties, and more. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen. Tracy, after flying to Minnesota today for an event there, President Biden said he's happy humanitarian corridors are open in Gaza and he's working to free more hostages. Meanwhile, the U.S. State Department says there is more work to do.
President Joe Biden walking across the South Lawn towards Marine One on his way to the Midwest. And across the globe, Israeli Defense Forces conducting ground operations in Gaza. The IDF says since the war started last month, it has struck 11,000 terrorist targets. At the U.S. State Department, this update. An initial group of foreign nationals, including U.S. citizens, departed Gaza through Rafah today. And we expect exits of U.S. citizens and foreign nationals to continue over the next several days. We want to make sure we can get U.S. citizens and their family members out as safely as possible. But now, Jordan, a key U.S. ally, pulling its ambassador from Israel. Protesters in Jordan gathered in Amman on Tuesday, calling on the government to annul its peace treaty with Israel, close its embassy, and expel its ambassador amid the ongoing war. We believe that increased diplomacy is important and steps to reduce diplomatic channels aren't productive to our long-term, our, our shared goals of promoting a long-term solution to this crisis. The war overseas fueling hatred in the U.S. Incidents of anti-Jewish and anti-Muslim hate have skyrocketed in America and abroad since the horrific October 7th attack by Hamas. Meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris speaking in London about the dangers of artificial intelligence, but she adds there are also immense benefits. It could give us the power to fight the climate crisis, make medical and scientific breakthroughs, explore our universe, and improve everyday life. The vice president later met with UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak at 10 Downing Street. I want to thank you for hosting this summit. It's good to be with you. Also tonight, the White House confirms President Biden plans to meet face-to-face -face with Chinese President Xi Jinping at the upcoming APEC summit in San Francisco, California. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. Our Catholic leaders in Ukraine say the church there may be facing extermination. One bishop says there are fears that Catholics could be forced underground if Russia were to occupy Ukraine. There are around 5 million Catholics in the majority Orthodox nation. Well, the Archdiocese of New Orleans says that it will consolidate 11 parish communities. It will also permanently close seven churches and combine three territories. That means roughly 10 percent of the Archdiocese parishes will be closed. Officials say it was a difficult and painful decision and cited declining numbers and natural disasters like the COVID pandemic and damage from hurricanes and floods. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, the saints next door. Pope Francis explains how we may encounter these unsung heroes in our daily lives. Plus, from 20th century popes to 15th century martyrs. We take a closer look at some of the saints canonized under Pope Francis. mentioned earlier, today is the Solemnity of All Saints, and Pope Francis reminds the faithful that the gift of holiness is offered to everyone, not just saints, and it is the key to a happy life. In a special Angelus address for today's feast, the Holy Father says holiness comes to us through baptism. And if we nurture it, it will transform our lives. Pope Francis also says that it is possible we could encounter saints living next door to us. They could be people who are committed to justice and live in simplicity.
Well, in honor of the saints, we take a closer look at some of the canonizations proclaimed by Pope Francis. EWTN Vatican News correspondent Colin Flynn has more. Since his election 10 years ago, Pope Francis has celebrated canonizations of new saints almost every year. Men and women, old and young, people from different eras and social backgrounds. Many of them have one special thing in common. They all stood up for the poor and those on the margins of society. On May the 12th, 2013, a day of firsts. Pope Francis canonized the first saints of his papacy, including the first ever honored from Colombia, Sister Loria Montoya, and from Mexico, Sister Maria Guadalupe Garcia Zavala. In addition, the Holy Father canonized Antonio Primaldo and his 800 martyrs. They refused to convert to Islam and were beheaded during the Ottoman invasion of the Italian city of Otranto in 1480. The next year, the canonizations of Pope John XXIII and Pope John Paul II marked a historic moment for the Catholic Church. Elected in 1958, Pope John XXIII convened the Second Vatican Council, one of the most important events of the 20th century. The Council is credited with shaping the modern Church through its many reforms, especially in the celebration of the Mass, and its call for greater ecumenical and interreligious outreach. In the presence of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, Pope Francis canonized John Paul II, the first ever Slavic Pope elected. He is credited for both his spiritual and political role in the collapse of communism in Central and Eastern Europe and led the Church into the new millennium. But Pope Francis's canonization of his predecessors didn't stop there. In 2018, Pope Paul VI was made a saint. During his visit to the U.S. in 2015, Francis canonized Junipero Serra Ferrer in Washington, D.C. The Spanish Franciscan priest came to what is now California in 1749, founded missions along the famed Camino Real, and spread the gospel in America. One woman whose deeds speak for themselves is Mother Teresa. The nun founded the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta, dedicated to helping the poorest of the poor. It eventually expanded into an international operation in 139 countries. As Archbishop of San Salvador, Oscar Romero demanded authentic justice and opposed the military dictatorship of the time. Romero was shot by a death squad in 1980 while preaching in church. Pope Francis canonized him in 2018. One year later, the Holy Father canonized John Henry Newman. A convert from the Church of England despite much hostility, Newman eventually became a cardinal and beloved defender of the faith. He died in 1890 and continues to influence generations of theologians. Siblings Francisco and Jacinta Marthu both died as children. In the Portuguese town of Fatima, they were among the group of children to whom the Mother of God appeared in 1917. The Holy Father canonized both children in Fatima in 2017, 100 years after the Marian apparitions. 
From 2013 to 2022, Pope Francis canonized a total of 911 saints. 904 were proclaimed in 16 separate public ceremonies. In proclaiming the lives of these extraordinary men and women, Pope Francis reminds the Church that every person has the same vocation, the vocation to holiness. In Rome, Colm Flynn, EWTN News Nightly. Finally tonight, All Saints Day is a holiday in Rome. It is also a festive occasion in other parts of the world, including Spain. The San Fernando Cemetery in Seville held a tribute to commemorate the feast. The event included a concert by the symphony. Family members visited and decorated the graves of their loved ones. Well, Ivory Coast commemorates All Saints Day as well. To mark the occasion, the faithful gather in cemeteries. They lay flowers and clean the tombstones of their loved ones. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.